Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Money in the market on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money in the Market. I'm Hong Bin Jung. Now, Asian equities were mixed this week. To start off, some Asian stocks reached its highest level this week in more than a month, and this was seen when shares in Hong Kong began higher, while those in mainland China fluctuated as traders weighed whether Beijing's surge of market stabilization attempts would bear results. Now, investors are waiting to see if Beijing's increasingly frantic efforts to prop up its ailing stock markets would be effective, while bonds recovered from recent. Selling. Well, to find out more about the recent rescue plans from China and how that's affecting markets, joining us on the phone today is Sani Hamid, who is the director for wealth management at Financial Alliance. Sani, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Okay, Sani, you know the biggest movement this week is, of course, China and authorities rushing to save its stock market. I mean, the officials they are under increasing pressure to act more decisively to prevent a stock market catastrophe that threatens financial and social stability at a time when the economy is plagued by severe housing problems and persistent deflationary pressures. Now, China's markets are closed today, and that's as they enter the Chinese New Year holiday, and it looks. Like authorities appear to be concerned that a poor market may further damper already low consumption. So, with the start of Chinese New Year holiday that kicked off today, do you think the concerns about a weak market affecting demand are justified? Well, I think the authorities are worried because Chinese New Year ought to be the season or the time period whereby consumption really takes off.、Mm. Everybody's going back. It's one of the biggest migration in the world with respect to people moving back to the、um, hometowns and such. So, if they don't see that bump up in consumption even during this period, then it's really dire straits. So, I think they are going to monitor it. They have been trying to actually promote. Consumption to the effect, even that the Chinese Ministry of Commerce has designated 2024 as the year of consumption promotion. So you can see that they're really kind of going all out to try and get the Chinese consumer to spend. Okay, so how might the possible impact on consumption over this Chinese New Year week influence different sectors of the economy? Well, it's left to be seen, but typically speaking, you would expect goods and services also to increase as people bring back stuff home,、mm. as people spend on services and such,、um, transportation. So overall, I think it's going to be broad based. All sectors are probably going to do well, but I think the focus also will be on what we call the luxury goods,、oh. um, because that's one of the first sectors, typically speaking, that will decline when people stop consuming.、Uh-huh. Necessities less so. Do you see a jump, or do you expect a jump in consumption from when it was? During the COVID nineteen period, well, one would expect. In fact, China has opened over the past what twelve, eighteen months, and I think we had expected that to trans at least that to unfold.、Mm-hmm. It's not done so to the extent that many expected. I think that there are myriad of reasons behind it. The economy is not doing well. People are afraid of their、right. jobs, job security, and such. So I think that's been a dampener. Oh, I see. Well, you know, now Chinese officials they are doing whatever they can to stabilize the stock market. I mean, the market meltdown in China is now entering its fourth year. Why is it now that authorities are suddenly rushing into saving the stock market with these list of measures that they've announced? Is it at a critical level? Should investors be concerned? Well, the market has more or less 
retrace a lot of the rally that we've seen. One could say that basically it's been an ongoing process. I think there was basically the effort to rein in on excessive property loans a couple of years ago in 2020-2021, the so-called red lines that is set for property companies to reduce their leverage. And there were basically efforts to try and deleverage. In general, let's put it this way, the Chinese authorities are looking to deleverage the economy. And that is for a good reason. It was overly leveraged. It was overly risky in the property sector, even in the what we call the local government sector itself. And when you have efforts to deleverage, you can't have high and eat it. Basically, you will suffer what we call slower growth. Okay, I see. Well, as we witness many foreign investors pulling out of the country's stock market, you know, if foreigners are not coming back, will it make President Xi Jinping's mission to engineer a market recovery more difficult to achieve? It would help if there were foreigners. But I think at the same time, we must still understand that the Chinese Communist Party is in power. They would want to actually adopt principles that they believe are correct Mm -hmm. in their view. And I think secondary to that is that would actually attract foreigners or not. So I think they will do what they feel what is needed. And like I said, these things about deleveraging, these things about putting social common prosperity at the forefront, these are not measures one would say are very Western measures. Profit is everything in the Western world. And so therefore, there could be a recalibration of foreign inflows who want to come in but now say that, oh, this is not really a profit maximization mm. uh, economy. Okay. Well, in the latest move, the head of the country's securities regulator has been replaced. And I've seen that it did catch some experts by surprise. Did this move catch you by surprise at all? How significant is this move and how did markets react? Surprise a little bit, but if you just look back in history, you'll find that basically every time there's volatility in the market, you do see changes in either the head of the stock market, the head of the (laughs) regulators Uh and such. In China, it's probably something one would expect to happen. Mm. So from that perspective, I think it's part of parcel of that revamping of the whole situation. And I think, basically speaking, if things don't get done, they just change people. I see. (laughs) But what can we expect from this new head? I mean, the man who has been dubbed as the broker butcher. The thing that the market really needs now is basically, it's very difficult to turn a declining market around, especially when it's driven by a lot of retail investors, uh-huh. a lot of sentiment. There's no one quick fix where they announce a particular policy and the market will U-turn. Even if you look back in 08, when quantitative easing was announced in the US and that was a big thing, mm. the market took months after that before bottoming out. So we probably are going to see that. We're going to see Beijing announcing more and more measures. But it will not U-turn until we come to a point where the market's really exhausted itself. I don't know where that point is, but if you were to ask me, after, and you just mentioned it, market's been down for four years. I think we're nearer to the end rather than at the beginning. Okay, since we're also talking about history here, you know, China's efforts to arrest this $7 trillion stock market route are also evoking memories from 2015 when Beijing took drastic steps to stem a crash. And this time, investors say the problems are much more entrenched. So how are the problems this time different from that of 2015? 2015 was more of, call it a cyclical problem because it was driven very much by leverage. Mm. Um, what happened, I think, stockbroking companies in China allowed 
retail investors to leverage up multiple times, many, many times. They took advantage of that. In China, there's not many places where you can speculate. The property market is one and the stock market is the other. And so people took advantage of that. And I think within a very short period of time, the markets there went up almost 150, 200%. Mm-hmm. And therefore, we had that crash in 2015, as you mentioned. This time around, it's basically more what we call structural in nature. It's very clear from what we've seen over the past couple of years that the Central Communist Party wants to deleverage, as I mentioned, and these are structural things. So if I were to put it in a nutshell, what we're seeing today is short-term pain because mm-hmm. when you deleverage, when you take risks out of the bubble, when you deflate it, you are going to suffer the consequences of it, which is what China is going through. But fast forward to many years from now, you would have a better economy because you are no longer as risky as you are today. Uh-huh. It's the total opposite of the U.S., which is U.S. has debt to GDP is increasing exponentially. Its interest payments are increasing exponentially on the government level. It's actually enjoying very high growth because it's spending more than it has. It has a budget deficit of 8%. So it's enjoying short-term gains today but very much kicking the can down the road where we could see risks in the longer term. So short-term gains, long-term pain probably in the U.S. Okay. You know, while overall Chinese stocks, they've seen strong gains following some of the announcements in regards to rescuing the stock market, some analysts still want more forceful policy to secure the turnaround. What more are they expecting? I know. (laughs) It's really picking the bulk cutting, the bank ratios, Uh uh, reducing interest rate, leverage in lending, pumping more liquidity into the system, and so on. So these are things which I think, to a certain extent, China has ticked those boxes. Mm -hmm. Of course, it could go one or two gears more and increase whatever it wants to. But having said that, what I did mention earlier was they are also very cognizant of the fact that they are on a path of trying to de-risk and they just don't want to add more risks in this on this part, which is the opposite of what they want to do. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a difficult balancing act. They have to take some pain. But I think once we clear out the sellers, once we clear out the so-called speculators, mm-hmm. and what we're left with, the long-term guys who are more than willing to hold on, I think the market will bottom a little bit more pain. But I don't think that the Chinese market is going to like collapse another 50 Mm. You know, if you look at the Chinese market from the year 2000 until now, it's gone up a lot, it's come down a lot, but on the long term trend, it's up about, I think, on uh, uh, average, about 7 to 8% per annum, which is a decent number. Okay. So I think that's the path the Chinese economy will take. It has its challenges demographically and geopolitically, but that's the path I think it will take at least over the next couple of years amid current volatility. Okay, so let's say the investors or market watchers, they don't see those concrete policies that they are expecting from the government. Will the rally only be short-term, just like a knee-jerk reaction? What can help the rally sustain? I mean, I know it sounds a bit strange, but they will reach a point where there's basically very few sellers because mm. everybody would have sold off and typically that's where market bottoms. Mm. So it's kind of a technical view to look at it because there are only so many sellers in the market. We've seen three or four years of selling. We've seen extremely heavy selling from foreigners last year uh-huh. and the past couple of weeks we've seen local selling as we saw the CSI 1000 which is a small to medium sized index go down sharply. So it does. the sense is that the foreigners are out the retail speculators are out. Mm. So we could potentially be seeing the tail end of the group of sellers that are in the market. And I think the market then automatically starts to bottom out because why? Because 
there's no one on the right-hand side of the boat. Everybody now is on the left-hand side. Meaning, say, we've got foreigners who may want to come back again. We've got retail investors who are looking to reposition back again. And so these are the ones who will support the market. So the question is, where is that point? I don't know. Is it very near over the next couple of months? I suspect so. (laughs) We'll just have to wait and see. But, you know, meanwhile, while China is busy with its own stock market route, global equities, they're approaching records. Haven assets are out of favor and even neighboring Asian markets are relatively unscathed. So how have regional markets reacted to the recent route? Why haven't neighboring Asian markets really been impacted more by it? Chinese markets have been falling and markets here have initially the last time used to be tied a little bit yeah. more to China. They kind of decoupled. Okay. We actually saw that last year or the year before. I can't remember. The Asian markets, for example, ASEAN markets, mind you, ASEAN markets in Southeast Asia. Chinese markets were down, ASEAN markets were up. And one of the theory or thesis behind it was there was an offshoring of factories from China into ASEAN markets like Vietnam, Malaysia, Indonesia, Thailand and such, which is then beneficial. So one could also argue that weaker Chinese economy, the situation of the markets there is pulling capital out from China into the rest of the world, therefore benefiting. So it could be that reason that one could say the uh, correlation with China actually has broken down. I see. Well, does that mean China seems to be a little bit divorced from the rest of the world? Is the global economy doing okay without China? Well, China is, after all, this more or less a comparing, I mean, depending on how you measure it, the second largest economy yeah. in the world. It has kind of bailed out the rest of the world before when I remember when uh, Europe and the US was not doing well. Mm. Now China's not doing well. Europe is muddling along. It's the US which basically is pulling the rest of the world Mm. higher at this particular point. So China, yes, it has divorced in itself from the rest of the world, but it's not collapsing, meaning to say still with growth between 4, 5, 6%, it's still doing fairly well for such a large economy. And I don't think we're going to see anything lower than that because it is, after all, a centralized economy where things can be done to keep it afloat. I see. Well, thank you, Sonny, for your time and your insights today. No, thank you very much for having me. Thank you. We've been speaking with Sonny Hamid, who's the Director for Wealth Management at Financial Alliance. I'm Hong Bin Jung, and this has been Money in the Market. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.